1: I tell young players all the time, you, you know, they should, they should make me play them. You know, they should force me to play them. And that's it, ex- exactly what Eric has done. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in where's Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My boy and producer, Marcus.
2: What's up, Dev Nation?
1: And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Boys... I am fired up for today. We have a brand new guest, which we haven't had for a while. Dieter Kurtenbach is joining us for the very first time, and for very obvious reasons, that's a big deal for us, But I wanted to talk with you guys beforehand so we could bask in this Laker win a little bit and fire off a glass half full because I, I don't remember enjoying a regular season win as much as I enjoyed last night for a damn long time. So to start us off here, boys, I need three things. One, your favorite part about the Lakers win. Then two... Something positive, something good you noticed from our last week of Warriors basketball. And then finally, three, something you didn't like. Let's start with the favorite part about the Laker win. And it's going to be hard. I mean, talk about a smorgasbord of options. But I got it down to two basic you moments. My first, maybe my most favorite, is we get into that final minute. Uh, the Warriors, I think, are up one. LeBron has the ball. All of us are bracing for the Lakers to to pull out some kind of miracle yet expected win. And Draymond rushes LeBron because he's having to, to force the defense from in the paint. And he forces LeBron into a travel. And the go-to you know star of L.A., the reason why they would beat us, the reason why Laker fans everywhere probably still assumed that they would pull it out last night travels on the most important portion of the game. And it just spoke to me. The other FU moment, incidentally, uh, this was also towards the second half of the game. I think it's in the third quarter. The Warriors are mounting their comeback. Our boy Kelly Oubre has the ball, matched up one-on-one with Kyle Kuzma, a guy I've really just hated throughout my Laker-hating career. And after he takes Kuzma to the rack, puts in a quick uh, layup and then taps the ball back to Kuzma so that he can take it out. He gives one of those head nods like, oh, yeah, you saw what the hell I just did. And just watching Kuzma have to suck on an annoying action from our version of Ron Artest also (laughs) really spoke to me, man. So amongst huge upsides across the board, I think those were my two favorite parts. How about you?
2: Yeah those are good ones. Um, I have a couple ones and they're a little more random. I'll go a little more random just to bring out other elements in the game. Um, But the first one was when Brad Wanamaker just kind of pushed the Laker back like he had scored a couple buckets and you know got into a little got down low and we were just killing him in the paint which was a little odd. And he goes down there and, you know, they I think it was Kuzma just tried to give him a little forearm shiver and and Wanamaker gave it right back. And it was kind of that moment like, no, you're not going to just punk us like that. Like, you know, like we're a professional team, but we're also the Warriors. And it kind of it changed. I think that the Lakers were used to just being the dominant, like we're going to walk through the league to another title. And it just, I like the kind of the reality check that he gave there. Like, Dude, you know, absolutely.
1: It's a don't believe what you fucking read moment. You know, we're not yeah. the 14th seed in the West, and we're not here to concede to you being the one in the West. You've got to earn this, and we're not going to give it to you. That's exactly right.
2: Exactly. And my other one is just, um, I was just excited to see Kelly Oubre just play a good game. I mean, he still didn't light it up from three-point range, but I think that's okay. The ones that he did miss still looked good, and they would have, that one from the corner would have been a nice dagger. Um, But, you know, all in all, he had a wonderful game, and I think his defense is really starting to shine through. I know we talked about it with Connor a couple episodes ago, but I think his defense is just really – um, shining and it's something that is helpful for us this season and you know his energy and being able just to bring a different element of cockiness I mean that a couple games ago when he's at the free throw line and does the chicken leg dance and then when you know the guy misses the free throw and he just pumps his fist a little bit like those little things and you know like he got a turnover on an out-of-bounds play when everybody else was down the other side of the floor and he just you know makes Schroeder knock it out of bounds like those little things add up and they you can't take a moment off with him. And that mentally is just as tiring as it is physically when you're playing a team that doesn't want to give up and has players like Pascal coming through and just, you know, like beasting Matthew. So, um, you know, it's just good to see.
1: It's how Oubre is doing those FU things. For example, that chicken legs movement on the free throw line, he wasn't even making eye contact with the shooter. He just kind of inadvertently (laughs) does it, which is like next level, uh, f around with you moves, you know, oh. because he's so comfortable with it. Off he pulls and, and Max- the
2: subtlety of the fist pump was what really just sold me on it. Like it was so just minimal, it's but like, like mm-hmm. yes, it's uh-huh, like of course, did. of
1: course that worked, and I will probably be using this again, Maxime. <laughs> I want to hear your favorite moment in the Laker game first. Let me ask you a follow up, and this has absolutely, positively nothing to do with Wanamaker. I appre, or I, I repeat, <laughs> nothing, nothing to do with Wanamaker, Maxime. If you 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 could have a career in the NBA and make hundreds of thousands of dollars on a yearly basis, but it meant that you had to be objectively ugly, that when people looked at you, they thought to themselves, that man is not a good looking man. Would you be willing to make that trade?
3: I mean, can't money buy you a lot in the looks department?
1: Well, apparently not for Bruce Wanamaker, but uh, again, this has nothing to do with Wanamaker, and I don't even know why I, I brought up that name.
2: Or why did you call him Bruce? His name it's is Brad. A,
1: it's the third time I've done that also. Uh, and and <laughs> I got called out about that the first two times, and I made up some lie about how I was talking about Brad's cousin. So, no, you caught me, and thanks for doubling down on that, Marcus. I really appreciate it. Let's just run away from this. Maxime, what's your favorite part about the Laker win?
3: Uh, my favorite part is Eric Pascal. I feel like he is really starting to develop an identity as as maybe even the leader of the second unit, um, and it's just really great to see. I've been a fan of his since the day he stepped on the court for us, and he's really coming into his own. I think, like you know, he was legit bullying Montrezl Harrell, um, who's like you know. Not easy, a not easily bulliable guy. So I'm really stoked to see that happen, and I feel like it. It's part of what creates a gritty identity for this Warriors team that makes them so fun to watch on a night-to-night basis, even when they're they're down on the scoreboard. It's like you could feel them climbing back in the second quarter, um, buoyed a lot by his energy.
1: Watching him slowly believe in himself as well is also awesome. Stupid mm. analogy, but generally speaking. When you first successfully do something, at least this is true for me, I pretend like, of course, this is exactly what I thought was going to happen. And I present that to everyone around me, but I'm kind of afraid it's not going to continue. When I was learning how to blow a bubble with bubble gum, the first couple times I tried to show it to friends, I was like, yeah, of course I could do this. But I was surprised when it actually successfully happened. It wasn't until, you know, a month of blowing bubbles down the line where I knew exactly what I was capable of. I would imagine last year as Pascal was having success in X. externally, whoever he talks to, he's got to say, of course, this is what I expected. I don't care when I was drafted. I know I was that good, but there's got to be an internal lack of confidence. There's got to be some moments when you're not sure you're going to be able to keep blowing those bubbles, right? And watching it continue to happen this year, Watching it continue to happen in his new role as the small ball second five and then watching him believe in it is a really cool thing. And I think it it could be some signs of a really successful career as we go forward here.
3: I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, and I mean, I think you can see him stepping into his own and really thinking about how that uh, his dream of becoming an NBA player ultimately boils down to, you know, fans talking about or comparing him analogously to blowing bubbles. Um, and it's a real Huge. kind of I've arrived moment. No, he needs it. He needs exactly that. And the reason I know that I was, I was talking to to Bruce,
1: uh, Bruce Wanamaker, and he was telling me that he really, the entire team, but Pascal specifically, enjoys bubble references. So, yeah, uh, two birds, one stone there, gentlemen. Let's move to something that we generally liked from the week. Mine's easy. Clay siding. Uh, he didn't travel with the team, but we saw him on the bench during the Indiana game and just Seeing his not so smiley Face he was actually kind of like game time Clay when they showed him made Me immediately happy so Big upside for me
2: Nice I'm gonna go with um, Andrew Wiggins's defense I think coming in he was had the the reputation of being an unengaged defender and rightfully so oh, that's a nice but, way to say that yeah <laughs> but um he was just amazing I mean, he played really well against the lakers and just having our s- small ball lineup out there i mean i to to think if we had clay too i mean maybe we don't even have ubra if, if clay isn't injured but you know, like thinking now if you add Clay to this team and we tried out a small ball lineup of Steph Clay, Ubre, Wiggins, and Draymond, I mean that is a different iteration of the death lineup that is tough to beat and that defensively is just really, really good at switching and long and athletic and Wiggins' um kind of commitment and his ability to to stay in front of of offensive players and hustle and use his length to distract. And um, I've just been pleasantly, pleasantly surprised and happy that he's added to it along with Oubre. We knew Oubre brought it, but I'm pleasantly surprised with how good um, Wiggins is defensively.
1: As far as great defensive moments, I will piggyback on that. Draymond stopping a three-on-one by himself against the Pacers. Mm. And he didn't so much as stopped it. He intimidated three players into a turnover simply by being in the exact place he should have been and then hedging the D. Um, And it was just one of those moments where that doesn't appear on the box score. There isn't some category that says how many three-on-ones you've disrupted. But you know, still, his, uh, his impact on this team goes, far beyond the box score. Maxime, something random that you liked.
3: My goodness. I yeah, Draymond has been so, so um fun to watch. Quintessential um, OG Draymond. For me, it actually segues a little bit um, into what I, I didn't really like from this week, um, and that's sort of the ups and downs of James Wiseman. Uh, I understand that he's just a 19-year-old kid, and he's new to the NBA. It's um, Bruce.
1: Bruce Wiseman. I, I know that's embarrassing for you, but actually his first name is oh, I thought Bruce, that was, was his uh, cousin, man. My no, bad. Yeah, it, it, it is, but they have the same name, which says confused people <laughs> left and
3: right. Um, so what I what I like um, to, to flip it on its head, it's something that Steve Kerr mentioned in his game uh when after 13 minutes and five fouls and, uh and five turnovers he gets pulled out of the game he he like slaps the the Gatorade container in 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 disgust for his own play i love that energy i love that he's so pissed with himself um that he can't even contain his emotions as he as he rolls off to the sideline um i think it says a lot for where he's going um even though he's having some inconsistent play as of late
1: are you worried at all? Uh, so we got this from a listener, and I was going to do it later in Warriors' article. Let me just ask him now. What they pointed out, I'm paraphrasing, is: Look, I love Wiseman, love everything he's doing, but he's not having a lot of fun. You know, when I when I see him out there, there's not a lot of joy on his face. That's what I would like to see from him: is him starting to enjoy the game of basketball. So putting that in context, what you just told me. Do I mean? Do you prefer a rookie who is so intent on getting better? He's furious when he doesn't. Or would you like him to ease up a little bit and maybe enjoy some moments during this first season?
3: No, no, no. I mean, look. I think you know. Any any healthy mental balance, you got to find some joy in these things. Otherwise, you're just going to kill yourself. Um, but no, that's not what it's about, man. You got to get to the mountaintop before you celebrate. You know. I mean, I I think you know. I've, I I grew up playing jazz, um, and it takes a lot of practice to get to a place to where you can actually improvise and sort of say things musically that you actually mean. Um, And in the meantime, it's just brutal. It's hard work. You don't sound good. You're just kind of miserable. Nobody's having a good time. But then when you finally hit and there's those small moments where you're like, oh, that just clicked, it feels so good. So I'm willing to see him push, willing to see him say to himself, I'm not good enough yet, because that just means that the highs are going to be so much higher.
2: I think he has to keep it in perspective too, though, right? I mean, like he's having great games against Wendell Carter and then he goes up against Jokic and Anthony Davis, like arguably two of the better centers in the league and has a bad game. Like Jokic is probably the best center in the league. Um, and you look at his first year stats and you know, he was averaging 10 and two. Um, so I just think he has to keep it in perspective. I would love to see him smile more. I said that a couple of pods ago. Like, I just want to see him smile on the court. Was when it they you? interview Did him after,
1: Was it you? Did you actually send me that listener email? (laughs) I thought it was weird that it was from Marcus.
2: Yeah. Um, But, you know, I just like I think he's too hard on himself. Like there's enough pressure as is for him to be the number two, you know, overall pick. So just let that, you know, be the pressure that it is and just have fun. You have all you know generation talent around you and Steph Curry you have a bunch of people in the system and a coaching staff and organization that has bought into you like you should not have it all figured out you know in the first you know 12-13 games of a season like you have to take it as it comes and I think just a smile and relaxing and having a little more fun playing the game would go a long
1: way. If, If it's a choice I agree with you. If if literally he could decide how do I want to experience this season mentally, then I would say yeah, listen to MT. You know, relax, continue to develop, but as you are doing it, try to enjoy it. If it's a personality dictated thing, for example, for me. You could tell me a thousand times enjoy this, I would still be a basket case filled with stress. Um, you and I, Marcus, used to go to the Cal basketball camp. There was a summer I went there when you were not there and we played games at the end in front of the parents. Normally, you know, we we stayed there and it was just coaches. In that game in front of the parents, I missed three shots. At the end of the third missed shot, I screamed like eight or nine F bombs, which was a nightmare to everybody. All these parents mm-hmm. was watching, you know, this 12-year-old kid fire off F bombs and the coaches were all nervous. That's not what was supposed to be happening but it's just how i experienced failure it doesn't matter how many times they told me hey t- you know take it easy here i still would have that kind of outburst and i wonder if that's true for wiseman and if it is if this isn't a choice so it's a dictated personality and he could either take things easily or hard if I was choosing like a friend, I would want him to take it easily. It'd be a lot easier to hang out with him. If I'm choosing a 19 year old who may be the competitive backbone for my favorite basketball team, I'm glad he's a psychopath. I want him to take things hard and you know work as, as intently as that personality trait will probably push him to working.
2: Fair enough. I was in the stands too and those shots you missed, those three in a row were horrible. I, I wanted you to stop shooting at Cal Camp too. F*** you Marcus, f***, f-, f- you a thousand <laughs> times. I'll never forgive you this, you piece of yourself, yourself, yourself. <laughs> Let's welcome in Dieter Kartenbach. <laughs>
1: Boys, it is my pleasure to announce that joining us for the first time in the huddle, a Warrior Specialist for the Bay Area News Group, a host on KNBR Sports Leaders Airwaves, a former writer and reporter for Fox Sports, SB Nation, South Florida Sun-Sentinel, and a man who steadfastly refuses to watch a sporting event if it lasts longer than three hours, Mr. (laughs) Peter (laughs) Kirtenbach, What's going on, Peter? uh
4: the, the last one is absolutely the key. All of that other crap, totally unimportant to the introduction. The fact that I had to watch a national championship game in college football that nearly took five hours almost broke me as a person, and I never <laughs> want to do it again.
1: Dude, you have no idea how much you helped me. So quick personal story for no reason. I This is following the college football championship. I was talking with a friend over Zoom. And casually mentioned that it just lasted too long. You know, I got bored after like three hours, man. I'm not even that big of a college football fan as is. And he immediately jumps down my throat and like, oh, no, it's the championship. You should enjoy every minute of it. And right when I was panicking, Dieter, I pull out of pocket, oh, You don't know anything about the Godfather rule. The Godfather rule is that if it lasts longer than three hours, I don't have to watch it. Ask my boy Dieter. And I sounded hell of important, man. So nicely played. I'm just saying that you don't know it, but you're already a part of my life.
4: Well, I I, I greatly appreciate that. I do hope that the Godfather rule catches on. It was something that I I coined. Maybe someone else came up with it first and it's been (laughs) sitting in my subconscious, something I coined in the heat of the moment. If the, if the something lasts longer than the movie, the Godfather, a classic of cinema, Francis Ford Coppola is the Godfather. You really have to be something special. We got to be talking double overtime game seven, Stanley cup final, something like that. Uh, A college football game. That was pretty much a blowout. Yeah, that, that doesn't do it for me. And, and, I used to I went to a Big 12 school, at least at the time in Missouri, and those games would last four, four and a half hours too, just insufferable. It almost makes you want to quit, quit sports altogether. But luckily, the Warriors always finish in a crisp two hours and 25 minutes and uh, they they stay under the godfather rule. And last night in particular with uh, the game against the Lakers was was something enjoyable to watch
1: we've got to be careful or well, not even careful. Let's you and I team up. Something gives me the impression that Marcus is a little bit more stuffy when it comes to this, that he'd be willing to, that he's the kind of person, even if he doesn't mean it to tell us like, Oh, I don't care if it lasts seven hours. I just like mm-hmm. watching sports and every second of it is a treasure MT, Am I <laughs> wrong on this? What do you think?
2: <laughs> well, partially, I mean, I don't think every second is a treasure. You do. If you're, you're six and a half hours into a game, I need you to wrap it up. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would let it go over the the three hour, um, maximum. I think the, the there's some games that warrant it and allow for it to still be exciting at that moment. Um, or at that time frame But it's tough I mean that's a long time to stay engaged And have actually exciting pro level sports Happening for three hours plus I mean you think I think tennis is probably the one that Drags out the longest no like that No one's
4: watching tennis that's exactly. Exactly right. Thank you, Dieter. Tennis. No one's watching tennis You catch 15 minutes of it When you're going through the channels And then you say oh I watched that match You didn't watch that match yeah, <laughs> If I you watch 15
1: tennis. minutes Dieter You're way ahead of me And good news is <laughs> exactly. Bad news. Let's start with the bad news. Uh, bad news is, yeah, we just heard Marcus disagree with you. Good news is that that's probably the only time that's going to happen. MT has an okay. unbelievable ability to just agree with the guest, hook, line, and sinker. So you know, we got that one out of the way.
4: Uh, cool. We'll see if he agrees with the rest. Uh, I'm pretty contrarian, so we'll, we'll see. If the, I'm gonna you know, make his work cut out for him. Is that? You know? I
2: don't know. I, I agree with that, Dita. You are pretty contrarian. <laughs> yeah. Shocking. What you don't know is Marcus right now just put on his
1: calendar. Watch 16 minutes of tennis just to say F- you to and never tell <laughs> anybody about it i've got a ton of warrior stuff for you man but i've mentioned cool. it a couple of times in the show it's the first time we've had you and i'd be crazy not to learn a little bit about you let me start here you grew up yeah. in chicago yeah
4: i did i did a long-suffering bulls fan and uh at least billy donovan's there now and, and maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel but uh grew up uh in the in the era of Steve Kerr and Michael Jordan, one of those guys a little bit bigger than the other, in the Chicago Bulls, and Kerr. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it kind of fostered my love of basketball at an early age. Though so a quite different sport now that uh, now that I think back on it, I was watching an old Bulls game the other night for nostalgia purposes, and I realized that basketball just wasn't very good, was it? <laughs>
2: yeah. I actually I lived in Chicago for seven winters. That's how I counted them, because oh. um, I'm from California, and yeah, oh yeah, yeah, will catch up to you. It was it was such a weird experience watching games in United Center. I mean, uh, it was when they what? had a good team like D Rose was there, and um, oh, they were in the playoffs the against the Celtics. Pitch. Yeah, and like really I would go tips. to the games when the Warriors would play, and I'd go in my Warriors gear. And I remember mm-hmm. like. Third quarter, it would just be so quiet in there, like you couldn't tell there was a basketball game being played. And I was like, "This is just a weird experience."
4: It's because it went over three hours. Everybody had to pregame get inside <laughs> early. Um, no, it's um, it, it is it is a weird experience compared to Oracle. Uh, I'll give it that. I'll give it that for sure. Yeah. And, and I'm interested to see once we finally get people to Chase Center, what that atmosphere is like. We had a little bit of the high, a little bit of low last year before you know the world ended. But uh, in comparison to Oracle. Everything pales in comparison, for sure. Well,
1: shocking, Dieter. I didn't bring up Chicago to focus in on our uh, on the experience at Chase Center. Instead, I was going to ask you, and you've already kind of addressed it. So, we've had a bunch of beat writers on the show, and a large percentage of them, including our our shared friend Connor, pretend to be completely neutral. Now that they work in the sport, they can no longer actually root for anybody out there. But another shared friend of ours, Wes, goes the other way. Is he's an open heat fan, and we'll tell you about it. It sounds like yeah. you're in that latter category. You don't you don't pretend uh, to be neutral you actually have a team
4: I, I will say this it's very easy to be neutral when the chicago Bulls sucks so very hard <laughs> um uh they don't they don't take up any of my brain waves none of n- no energy whatsoever honestly uh my my renewed love of the nba covered college football for a long time covered the nfl for a long time and i still obviously delve especially into the nfl realm with the 49ers these days but um i wasn't doing that much basketball even though i was down in south florida and the heat were there uh, I, I took it in as a fan, and that team kind of sparked back a joy after all of the pain and suffering from the uh, Bulls era that I can remember and attend with Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler and Marcus Pfizer. It was bad basketball. <laughs> Tim Floyd is a verboten name in the Curtinbach household. And um, that that Heat team kind of sparked it back. So I, me and Wes will – commiserate a little bit on on, uh, our shared love of the heat though he takes it about 40 times deeper than I do uh and and then I got out here and started covering the Warriors and honestly when I took um a job at KMBR as a writer and we were starting up the web operation here at the sports leader um It was an afterthought, right? Giants run this station in more ways than one. Uh, 49ers had Jim Harbaugh. They'd just been coming off of the Super Bowls. And when I show up in November of 2014, the Warriors are, hey, they made the playoffs nice, interesting team, but overall an afterthought from all of those years of kind of getting kicked in the shin and not expecting anything. And I remember going to the very first Warriors game. I I couldn't remember who they played. And I, I remember texting my dad about 15 minutes in, And just saying, I've never seen anything like this. Hmm. I watched the Warriors on TV. Uh, I I knew that Steph Curry was uh, ascending into something greater than, than he was at the time. But they were playing such a beautiful brand of basketball. It was so exciting to me. I just knew it was love at first sight. And so... Um, if anything, I am a Warriors homer and I will give the Warriors the benefit of the doubt to a detriment more than most other folks. Uh, it doesn't mean that I won't be critical. And I've been extremely critical, I think, of the team this year for a lot of disjointedness and kind of not understanding what their goals are. And there's a lot of stuff going on. We can get into it. But when it comes to sort of carrying the torch as uh, of the Warriors being this next level, being light years ahead, as Joey likes to say, I, I'm ha- I'm happy to carry that torch because honestly, uh, they were like nothing I had ever seen. I got in at some, I mean, not the ground level that all the longtime fans had, but national media wise, got in at the ground level. I, I knew then and there that I had to commit myself to covering the Warriors on a day in, day out basis. And uh, I, I've been extremely fortunate that that bet has paid off for me in a lot of ways. Uh, my, my career wouldn't have gotten anywhere, and perhaps it's going to go all the way down now that the Warriors are sort of pedestrian yeah. again. But my career wouldn't have gone anywhere without kind of riding the wave that was the Warriors and understanding that this is something special, and I'll be forever indebted to them for that.
1: I think Good news. I think that answer makes you and I best friends, Dieter. I have no idea why we <laughs> have not had a chance to discuss this in the past. Uh, yeah. Speaking as a fan who suffered with this team for too long, I can tell you that those other teams weren't kicking us in the shin, man. They were kicking us in the balls. Speaking as <laughs> a host of this show, yes. I can tell you that if I had hired a voice actor and written out their response to "Are you neutral or not," I couldn't have come up with a better response than you just gave me. So yes, uh, Warrior fan, that. I love it, and uh, try never to be neutral as we go forward. No. Test that out now. No problem. Uh, the the segment. That we are doing today because I know we have you for somewhat of a limited time is called Warriors Oracle. The idea is crazy easy. It's a mailbag, man. um, But we also invite personal questions, which is kind of the twist. That is true this time. And we're going to start with a Warriors one. Augustin Berkeley writes this quote. Ubre spent the first couple weeks of the season redefining what it means to have a sh** first job impression. And now it seems like the exact <laughs> player Golden State hoped they would get when they traded for him during the offseason. What changed for Ubre, in your opinion?
4: What do you got, uh, dude? He, he stopped playing with James Wiseman all the time. Um, <laughs> I, listen, this is, this is something that I predicted from a mile away. When I get a prediction right, I'm going to pound it, and we're going to forget all the ones that I've gotten wrong. Um, I actually watched Kelly Oubre on a fairly frequent basis before he got to Golden State. This is the player Kelly Oubre has always been. He will give you something, but Kelly Oubre is a guy who needs to put the ball on the floor, needs to feel it out a little bit. He is not a catch and shoot guy. On defense, he is a boomer bust kind of guy. The Warriors can use a guy like that. I don't know if I'd pay $80 million for it, but they can use a guy like that. He's never going to replace Clay Thompson, he's never going to be that solid you know, shadow that's going to knock down 15 threes in a row and you don't know what happened. He's a guy who is almost antithetical to Clay Thompson. He's big. He's brash. He's flashy. It's a lot of good things. He's a good player. But the Warriors' system with Steph Curry and Draymond Green – It just doesn't really work with him because they want him to be a catch-and-shoot sort of a guy. And when you put a seven-footer in there that no one knows what the hell to do with, and it's not James Wiseman's fault. He's 19 years old. He's figuring it out on the fly. I feel for the kid. He's sharp. He's smart. It will work out for him in the long run. But the Warriors have never dealt with a player like James Wiseman before. They've never had a guy who seven feet can run the rim, but also score at all three levels. Not even close to that. He's JaVale McGee on steroids, but he also right. doesn't know where he's supposed to go. And then you're dealing with the Kelly Oubre, who really doesn't fit that style. I thought against the Lakers, Oubre found his identity. And the Warriors found an identity with Oubre next to Eric Pascal. Two guys, free, you know, kind of a free form offense. Oubre can put the ball on the floor. He can make some things happen. Pascal's going to space it out for him, make some more room for him. He doesn't have to catch and shoot. Pascal will get his turn. Oubre will get his turn. It's a much better role for him, whereas Andrew Wiggins probably fits more of the rigid set offense that the Warriors do want to run uh, with the starting lineup. Wiseman goes out, and, and suddenly in the second half, it all opens up for Oubre with that starting lineup. I think, it's, I think it's the biggest issue Steve Kerr has on his plate right now. How does he get Ubre to continue to play like he has over the last couple of games, not just the Lakers game, but over the last couple of games, where he has been a positive, while also bringing in James Wiseman, giving him enough minutes to develop? Right now, it seems like those concepts are mutually exclusive, and I don't know which the right answer is, but yep. Steve Kerr's got to figure it out. And honestly, at this point, I, 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 with Oubre playing so well, that seems to be more of a key for the Warriors' success than Wiseman getting the minutes. So maybe Wiseman has to find a new role. What that is, hell if I know. But that's what I think has really changed for Kelly Ubre. You give him a little bit more space, you put him in a position where he doesn't have to catch and shoot, he can actually show you what he's about.
1: And you gave him some freedom, right? I mean, if what we kept totally. saying about Oubre is that his confidence is low, it's gonna—you know—at some point it'll uptick. But what they were mm-hmm. expecting from him is to get that uptick of confidence while continuing to shoot three pointers. Well, a, a, a basic right. basketball announcer will tell you what you need is a couple easy shots. You need some trips to the rim. Mm-hmm. You need some freedom to to
4: get you know, a little bit of leeway. And in but, the Bram, think they, about. Think about what he was having to do when okay, so he was starting to drive to the basket, right? And it was starting to work, but think about how hard he was having to work when you have yep. no spacing on the floor because Absolutely Draymond right. green isn't being defended and James Wiseman's hanging He's out in, in the, the middle of the floor, spot.
1: exactly right. So and, and, with, nothing. and and with um, because the other switch, and I'm agreeing with you, the other switch that we saw, the where they put him is that focal point on the offense in the second mm-hmm. unit that that Wiggins used to have. And that yeah. gives him so much more leeway to get to the, to the rim, to miss the shots, work. and to, to keep his confidence levels up. Marcus, so... This is not an unexpected answer. As you can imagine, I stalked Dieter in preparation for today. I saw some of his (laughs) takes um, about the Wiseman fit. And do you agree? I mean, with what he just said, are the Warriors facing a problem with mixing, trying to make the playoffs, trying to have a successful season, putting Ubery where he needs, but also developing Wiseman?
2: I mean, I don't think they're mutually exclusive, but I, I do recognize that Dieter called out how much better he's playing? Ubre's playing without Wiseman on the floor. I think it's Oubre, when he was with Phoenix said it mm-hmm. himself. He said, "I got a lot of my points out of the mud." And we talked about that, yes. you know, in the beginning of uh, the season. And that's not there when you have the structure of clay of Steph and Draymond and Wiseman in there. Like Dieter said, it's it's when. You have more free flowing with Ubre and Pascal and it's a little more just wide open and just, you know, like make something happen that plays into Kelly's strengths more than anything. So I think it's more of a product of him of steve finding the right mix and that mix does not include wiseman and as a really random take that you probably cannot quantify but i'm just going to throw it out there i think having three left-handed players out there does something weird when baysmore Ubre, and wiseman are all out there there's something about you know like is it just too many left-handed players i couldn't find a stat if there's ever been a time when a team has played
4: five left-handed players at all at one you mean a bad thing fascinating that is fascinating. I've never, I've ne- it never even dawned upon me that they had three lefties out there. I don't know what that does. You would think it'd be an advantage because the defense ain't seen anything like that before. Exactly. But is everybody trying to go the same direction? <laughs> then you're you're losing even more spacing. That's I fascinating. Mean, none I, of them have strong
2: right hands either. So, <laughs> exactly. Good <laughs> <Well, laughs>
1: shockingly, I don't have any research in front of me on the utility of an all left-handed team, but I do have an article from TMZ that vaguely uh, approaches this. So this doesn't really explain any of the Ubre problems because the timeline doesn't match up, but it's an exciting story and one that caught my attention. So let me read you a quote and then ask you guys about it. Quote, Ubre, six-year NBA vet, who was a former first-round draft pick, claims his ex- contacted him on January 11th, 2021, and demanded a large sum of money or she would retaliate against him. McKenna demanded that Kelly pay her nearly $3 million or she would make public uh, her false uh, allegations by the end of the week. The suit claims that she contacted Oubre and threatened to say he was engaged in quote unquote criminal conduct and would make other false allegations, all quote crafted to cause maximum an irreparable harm to Kelly, his reputation, and his career. So I was going to ask you, boys, do you think this... So the the gist of the story is that Kelly Oubre has an ex who's apparently been threatening to pull his name through the mud for absolutely no reason. And I was going to ask you, boys, do you think that maybe this could be the explanation for his prolonged shooting slump? But if, it, if he got that news on January 11th, it doesn't really match up since the shooting slump you know started on Christmas Day. So instead, I'll ask you this. Dieter, if this was you, if behind yeah. the scenes... <laughs> somebody was was trying to extort you what's your personality yeah. type like would you be able to continue to like put out your best product as kind of a fuck you to them or would you fold with you know all these things that nobody else knew anything about
4: i would fold faster than two seven offs too man it would, <laughs> i would i would absolutely I, no i can barely function when i'm focused i, I don't know how the <laughs> hell i'm supposed to function amid something like that now listen, uh, if you're, I, I neither play hard nor party hard or anything like that. I try to work hard, but we'll see about that. Um, it's yeah, no, that, that just sounds absolutely emotionally exhausting. And um, I, I don't know the, any of the ins and outs. Uh, frankly, I, I'm remaining ignorant to the ins and outs to whatever degree I can with beyond knowing, you know, kind of what's going on there. Um, but man, I, like I got to feel for Ubre a little bit. I, I don't know if he's in the right or in the wrong, but like, Again, that I know I would absolutely fold under that kind of pressure. What now, is library. that is that the thing that's that's been holding him back? It, it seems like this has been a longstanding thing. It seems as if this has been something that's been going on for, for quite a while now. If you, if you read the further TMZ thing like I did, it's like, yeah, yeah, this is like the third time that this has happened. Now he's filed a countersuit or something. So I, I guess he's he's uh, become accustomed to living with this, uh, with this torment. So I, I don't know if I can... I don't know if it's fair to anybody to sort of attribute it to it but I know I know if that was going on in my life Game over. Absolute game
1: I b- over. I believe the follow up article may or may not have said that the previous suit was because she stole his two dogs and she still has yeah. the previous two dogs, which is kind of an interesting side. Uh since I don't know, you know alleged we don't know, all of this <laughs> could be false. I can say for certain I'm just like you, her There's no way I can deal with this. Down. I mean, immediately. And I would probably screw up both sides. You know, like my oh, totally. like like maybe you should try to do what he did, like you come out public about it so that that she can't really hold this against you, but I can see screwing that up too. like, like saying oh. a little bit, but not enough. She still has something over me, but I've given up too much. Like it just, it's just not going the right way. How about you? you would you be able to handle this? Well, or do you think you fold?
2: I think I handle it well. I, like looking into the story, um, this came out a couple weeks after it was reported that Oubre proposed to his new girlfriend. So I'm just going to chalk right. that up to his ex-girlfriend being super salty. Um hmm. And apologies to everybody out there. I don't know her, so who knows? Maybe she's not. But um, I just think that, that that has something to do with it. And if Ubre knows that he didn't do anything wrong and it was all extortion, then you have to hold your ground. Otherwise, that... Sets a bad precedent for a lot of people to start coming at him with fraudulent lawsuits. To just
1: move on from you saying, "Oh, I would handle that well," and then immediately giving this analysis, I, I'm a little bit annoyed <laughs> at how healthy and calm that you handled that, Dieter. Yeah, am no. I wrong? I mean, did this guy just heard us bare our souls, and he, he didn't even say no, a fine. full sentence. At
4: least he wasn't agreeing with us. I mean, I think that, that that's that's a positive there. And so clearly, this is a man with his own conscience. He's able to handle his stuff. I just know that I'd be curled up in the fetal position, waiting for it to all go away. That's, that's what
1: this is uh this is awkward i should have covered this before the mics went hot Dieter, I, i'd really appreciate it if you weren't demonstrably funnier than i am on the show uh just got you know <laughs> try to try to dial it back a little if you could
4: see i this is how this is how i know you wouldn't handle a situation like that well, oh no you can't even handle this well
1: no, absolutely not i'm sweating like a maniac right now just really <laughs> inappropriately right now Dieter john in montclair writes to ask us this quote if you could have any member Of the Warriors organization as a life coach, who would it be and why? To give you a couple of seconds to kind of roll that question around, I can go first. Um, Let me—I don't have a life coach. I vaguely understand what they do. I am positive that I would benefit from one that's illustrated by the fact that I can't take uh, anything without sweating. And so I was thinking like, like clay would be solid, right? Because he could help me not take things seriously. He doesn't seem to like really latch on to anything, but I feel like he wouldn't be guaranteed to show up every week. He might like forget about appointments, (laughs) dude. So can do that. I was
4: about to say, how much would he actually coach you? Get there. That's exactly right.
1: But, but and, and would he really be interested in like figuring out how to help me? I don't think so. I feel like Draymond would be great in the role, but I'm too much of a puss. Like when people scream yep. at me, I tend to kind of shut down. So, I, you know, yep. that wouldn't work for me. So here's my guy. It's a random one. Sean Livingston. Here's, what I, here's oh, where I'm coming from okay, on again. it. Sean Livingston had that quote a while back uh, saying that make them pay you for what you can do instead of talk about what you can't. He can't shoot a fucking three-pointer. He's a guard, mm-hmm. but we never talked about it. He developed a post game. Dieter, that's exactly what I need. I focus oh, on that's... all the things I can't. You know, So if somebody could actually be like, no, 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 you're good at this and just be happy that you're good at this, that would really help me, man. So Sean Livingston, that's my guy. I'm, I'm going to reach out to him and uh, see if we can't start up a golden relationship here.
4: That is that is an absolutely dynamite pick. Uh, I couldn't do better myself. I'll try to come in second place with that one. I, I sure do wish Andre Guadala um was still oh, with sure. the Warriors um he would be great there's the the wry sense of humor all that good stuff uh, Andre and I had some pretty good conversations over the years and uh, always always good at you know keeping his guard up but at the same time you know providing some some pretty good insight once you finally broke him down a little bit but he's not so he doesn't qualify I can say this uh I know Steve Kirk can coach Uh, And I appreciate Steve Kerr's Zen. I don't necessarily think that that applies to me. So I'm going to go with Mike Brown because Mike Brown has it all figured out. I've met few people on the planet who have it more figured out than Mike Brown. He's just living his best life every day. And yeah, he might go take a head coaching job, but not if it's not for him. He doesn't need anything. I I once heard that confidence isn't the uh, ability to think that you can do something. It's the ability to know you'll be okay if you don't succeed in that something. And Mike Brown is the most confident person I know. He's just He's got fallback plans on fallback plans, man. He is just rolling in it, and uh, he's a great dresser, which is something I can certainly (laughs) use. So I'm going to go with the ever jovial, all the way figured out, and uh, sartorially dominant Mike Brown.
1: Great answer. Great answer. And I I can see Kerr being fantastic, but I can also see him doing like – annoying slightly too hippie things you know like like burning sage <laughs> while he's talking to yeah. you or like having like a buffalo skull that phil jackson gave him when they were when he was playing for him and and telling yeah. you like the historical significance of it and then i'm just hard out so no i i love uh, i love the brown move mt who are you picking
2: i was gonna pick curb but now i'm out since you so eloquently described him have like pee- he'd be
4: great it's just it just doesn't jive with me I, i've known now steve for for many years and there's always just been a little bit of a disconnect. We have interesting conversations, but we're just not two men on the same wavelength. And Mike Brown, every time I talk to him, it's like talking to an old friend and, uh, and we're not old friends. So I'm just, I'm just going with the guy who's more on my wavelength for Steve. It would be a very difficult task trying to coach up Dieter Kurtenbach. I don't want to put that on him. He's got enough going on. Mike Brown, I'm not really sure what he does. So um, he can handle me. for little Fair little. enough. Fair enough.
1: Marcus, I actually heard one of the, uh, the conversations between Steve Kerr and Dieter and it was Dieter saying, will you be my life coach? And <laughs> Kerr said, no. And then
4: they just <laughs> moved on. And, it, you know, they it's just fine. didn't connect. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not bitter at
2: all. Yeah. He actually hit him with a Zen moment. It was like, do you need a coach of life? <laughs> and then he's like, here's Whoa. some sage
4: and he's like I d-
1: <laughs> and he was like i can i connect with this F- Where's Brown? <laughs> yeah, um <no. laughs>
2: yeah i kind i wish jerry west was still part of the organization because i'd want to oh, say him call. um because just he's been an architect and you know the logo and you know he is who he is to the league but he also he'd scream you know, at you is um you know being Please. looked at allegedly for um, getting Kawhi to the Clippers in an unsavory way, and that's the kind of life coach I need. If he's going to tell me some great advice and offer some unscrupulous ways to get that achieved, I'm all in. Um, He'll scream at you. Do you care? I mean, like, like so. You know, he certainly has a hot head. Sometimes um, you need
1: a good screaming. That's exactly. right. I mean,
2: like, I I couldn't take
1: it. But you, MT, that's your personality. You wouldn't mind uh, the occasional scolding.
2: Not if it came with all the Kawhi achievements Leonard. that I was looking for. Yeah, and Kawhi Leonard's <laughs> success. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Um, But because of that, I'm just going to go completely off the beaten path and I'm going to go Zaza Pachulia. I just feel like this (laughs) guy, this guy just knows something. Yeah. (laughs) He just knows something that, you know, a lot of people haven't figured out. The fact that he could get so many all-star votes from the country of Georgia that he almost started an all-star game. Like, that's the kind of guy I want leading my life. He would tell you just be
1: from that country, I think would be his advice there. <laughs> and that would probably, I mean, look, i friend of the podcast, so I'm a huge fan of Zaza and I like the pick. But if you had given me a thousand options to pick who I thought Marcus would pick, I never would have guessed Zaza. Like there's no, oh, I know for sure. And I've known Marcus like my entire life. I never would have been like, pff, right. one word, patchoulia. so <laughs> obvious.
2: The one word is Zaza, that's why. (laughs) (laughs)
1: okay boys last question of the day and if i'm being honest with you the one i was most excited for mike in alameda asked this this quote the first three letters or first three words of this by the way are in all caps please 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 ask dieter the quote have you been kicked out of an establishment question end quote so dieter i warned you earlier on that this has asked for personal questions. And one of the ones we've had to answer in the past, has any of us ever been kicked out of any kind of an establishment? And it turns out the answer to that question, unfortunately, is yes. Uh, Marcus has told us a story about getting kicked out. I've told us a story about getting uh, kicked out. So has Maxime. In fact, I've even teased uh, a second story where I got kicked out of the Oakland Coliseum and I'll make you a deal. If you have a story uh, that fits in here and you're willing to tell it, then I will match you with my Oakland Coliseum story before you give us any response. Marcus, you and I have had a chance now to get to know Dieter. I like him and he feels like one of us. Because of that, I feel like his answer to this is yes I feel like he has definitely been kicked out maybe not (laughs) scandalously, but I I feel like that's in his past
2: what's your guess I'm going no definitely not
1: all right Dieter Mm -hmm. what do you got have you ever been kicked out anywhere
4: oh yeah (laughs) 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 let's go Um, (laughs) uh, okay yeah I'll give you I'll give you the most scandalous version of it Uh, perfect there was a very short-lived fling uh, I was back in Chicago after college for uh, the summer and there was a short-lived fling before I headed down to South Florida to to start a job at the South Florida Sun Sentinel and um, I found I'm a white sox fan a hardcore white sox fan so I, I don't like Wrigley field I don't like the north side uh, that was so, that's something that's like near and dear you said if I have any biases I got one the White Sox so last year's A's A's White Sox playoff series was just heartbreaking in so many ways for me um mainly because the White Sox lost but uh I didn't realize I thought we understood the reference yeah 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 no I I know but I I thought I could be neutral going into that series and then within five pitches I'm yelling at my television it's like oh this is gonna make these columns real difficult here um (laughs) watch all 60 of those damn games beforehand nevertheless Um, I I fall into Cubs tickets for the life of me. I couldn't tell you how uh, given that this has been almost uh, a decade removed, but um, I I take this girl that I'm hanging out with and uh, I take her to a Cubs game. She's a Cubs fan. And they're like unbelievable seats. And again, I couldn't tell you how I got these. Uh, It's all kind of a drunken haze, if I'm being honest. (laughs) And there is a very famous bar. There at least was before they turned Wrigleyville into a strip ball. There was a famous bar or maybe still is called the cubby bear. And the Cubby Bear uh, is actually like kind of a great rock bar and all this stuff. And uh, we go into the Cubby Bear and, um, my, yeah, it, 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 let's say it got a little physical. Uh, <laughs> not between me and anybody else, but we were making out so damn hard we got kicked out of a bar. And I'll <laughs> leave it at that. And uh, a crowded bar post-Cubs game. Uh, so kind of like really problematic, all things considered, uh, not, not necessarily like normally you would say that in this tone of like, Oh man, it was awesome. I was doing this like super embarrassing. Like how, Depraved and amateur Did I have to look to get kicked out of the Cubby Bear and I don't believe I'm allowed back I believe it was a full time <laughs> ban now Not that I had much of an issue of never going back to the Cubby Bear and again I don't know if it still exists Anymore but uh, they were very Angry with us extremely <laughs> angry With us and uh, yeah We'll just leave it at that I also don't believe I'm allowed in the City of Cleveland anymore but that, <laughs> that's A different story for a different day
1: You're that Dieter Kurdenbach no wonder The I'm name okay. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I love that. I appreciate you being willing to share that.
4: With <laughs> yeah. Us. yeah. Poor, poor Ellen Drake. Her and I, I can't go to the Cubby Bear anymore.
1: <laughs> and I also like that you're pretending like you're not sure whether or not you can go back in. Like you didn't immediately go back the next day, and they didn't let you in. I, you know, they'd, they'd perfectly well played, and I totally understand the approach. Uh, Just lay low. <laughs> I, I will. I'll match that with a uh, with an equally embarrassing story. And it also happens at a sporting venue, man. I I, I alluded to it, the Oakland Coliseum. So I used to be a Raider season ticket holder um, for years, man. I I dragged my wife. There and it's not my breaking apologies. news. Oh my God! Okay, you have no idea, dude. And so, just to give you a sense, it's it's not breaking news that there's violence at the Raider games. But truth be told, <laughs> it's not everywhere, man. Like the, the, it's I actually know. it's it's, it's a function of like socioeconomic. So the first few years when we went to the games, we were in the burger seats. We were way upstairs, and I can tell you they were shady. The first game we were there, eight minutes in, somebody behind me screams, "I think he's been stabbed!" And we turn around, and yes, dude. That's <laughs> That gentleman had been stabbed. Uh, oh and so God. I spent the first few years like, what the hell am I bringing my wife to this for? Right. And we finally yeah. spend enough money where we moved downstairs. But the downside of this, and as a, a random aside to some of our young our younger listeners, while weed is currently legal, that wasn't always true. It was illegal for <laughs> quite some time and certainly not allowed in the Oakland Coliseum. So while I was still sitting upstairs, I could smoke. While I was downstairs, I could no longer do that. So the way I right. dealt with it, Theater, is at halftime, I would go up to Mount Davis. I'd like bring a blunt with mm-hmm. me or something, smoke, and then come back down. So for this story, I brought a friend. Um, he didn't smoke. And so I come up with some bullshit reason. I'm like, I'm going to the bathroom or something. And I go upstairs <laughs> to smoke. And so I yeah. do that and I get away with it and I'm about to come back down. And I'm feeling like James Bond. I'm so smart. I've gotten away with it again. And then I get tapped in my shoulder and I turn around and it's two undercover cops who have seen me and now start walking oh. me down. But since they're undercover, they're in Raider gear. And at first, man, I think they're Raider fans. I don't even know that they're cops. And I think I'm getting like kidnapped by Raider fan. So when they actually <laughs> told me that, like, no, like, no, we're cops and we're going to have to ask you to leave, I was, like, really happy. Like, I, I suddenly felt like I had my life back in front of me, like I wasn't right. going to die, you know, in some shady Raider jail. You're and, not
4: going to be the next guy who gets stabbed.
1: Exactly. That's OK. That's exactly right. And And on the way out... One of them goes, oh, are you a season ticket holder? And I say, yeah. And he goes, oh, they're definitely going to take your tickets from you. And then the other cop, without waiting two seconds, goes, he could have killed somebody and they're not taking his tickets, too. Like, don't you worry about that. <laughs> they make me leave. And I don't know if you've had to find a payphone this side of like 1986, but they oh, do not geez. exist, man. And I didn't have my cell phone. So my friend is now waiting in the seats for me to come back from my lie bush bathroom trip, but I can't get back in because I've been kicked out for weed smoking. And it was, it's, it's a miracle. If you are still listening, Jason, I'm so sorry, man. I didn't know I was going to lose the phone. I couldn't get in contact with you. You know, like it is what it is. So, uh, that was the day I got kicked out of the Elgin Coliseum, and I appreciate your patience. Dieter, you are the man. I am not I the only one that. thinking of it. Uh, anybody who needs more bock in their life, where should they turn?
4: <laughs> uh, at Dieter on Twitter, uh, if you're so depraved. Um, you can catch me on Can uh, Art KMBR tonight uh, every now and again. Uh, th- that show is very much in flux at the moment. We're figuring it out, but I am. Talking to you live from the Sports Leader Studios. So um, eventually, we'll figure out a time for that. Uh, I'm on the app Locker Room weekday mornings at 8 a.m. If you guys want to download Locker Room, and uh, it's kind of like a sports talk radio app almost. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Clubhouse, the Silicon Valley thing, but basically, it's the sports version. Uh, you do locker rooms every morning at 8 a.m. And uh, if you're uh, betting inclined, may I recommend Line Movement? Uh, it's a betting website that I uh, helped start up. Uh, we're affiliated with BlitzBet.eu up in Canada, and uh, we, uh, we got a lot of NFL content in the meantime. So um, any of those places, I have way too many jobs, and I don't sleep enough.
1: Well, and we can still catch a weekly display of public affection at the Cubby Bear, right? Is, is that still happening? Or you guys had to, <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, no, me, me and my wife, who is not the woman I was making out with uh, – <laughs> We, uh, (laughs) we, 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 uh, we know, well, obviously there are no bars available to us, but we, we do not do that. We, uh, we, we definitely, uh, I, I got, I got scared straight out of that situation. (laughs) Fair
1: enough. Well, we learned a couple weeks ago that Marcus has those kind of things at Warrior Games, but I'll let him... Uh, oh, yeah, I'll let him... yeah, I will let him come back on now. <laughs> yeah, I'll let him describe that to you on a future episode for us. You know where to find us. You want to shoot us an email, give us a question for a future Warriors Oracle bag, then send it to warriorshuddle at gmail.com, our crazy, unprofessional Gmail account on social media. We are on Twitter, Warriors Huddle at... Or, I'm sorry, at uh, Warriors Huddle. And with that in mind, go Warriors and Hopefully we'll see you next week.
4: Good, good.